St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts. I started feeling kind of embarrassed about the neediness of performing, about the sort of like need to have acceptance and desire from from strangers. It started to feel like an extension of my unrequited need from my father. That's Sinatta McDermott of the band Cave of Swords. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Cave of Swords is a trio led by married couple Sinatta and Kevin McDermott with Eric Armbruster. Sinatta was still Sinatta Marshall when she played around town with St. Louis band's Fred's Variety Group and the Helium Tapes. And before that, she was just out there with an acoustic guitar playing places on Laclede's Landing as a teenager. Kevin had been a club DJ who made down-tempo instrumental music at home for his own amusement and enjoyment. Then he approached Sinatta nine years ago about maybe singing over some of the tracks. Since then, they have gotten married and also released four albums. The most recent one is called Good Music to Feel Bad To. Sinatta writes the lyrics and sings, and her lyrics are abstract, but the songs definitely reflect the band's concern about things like climate change, uh, the treatment of people trying to enter the U.S. at our southern border, and as they describe a capitalist system that seems to prize profit at the cost of some people's lives. Now, when I was researching the band, I came across these gorgeous photos. Um, Back in 2017, Sonata collaborated with St. Louis photographer Susan Bennett on uh, three images that were meant to represent new tarot cards. And for one of them, they created a new tarot suit, Machines. And, I don't know, that just stuck out to me. So I I asked Sonata what that means to her and why she has machines on her mind. I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually, because I feel like this has been a major theme for Cave of Swords and for me personally. um, That specific one, the one about the machines, is a major theme on this record that we just put out. It's like we're born into this system that man created that devours everyone and everything that it encounters. And we're watching it. We're watching it devour us and our world. And it feels totally unstoppable and inevitable and it feels helpless. And in our culture, this helplessness and hopelessness is, is it's like, it's not allowed, you know, it's everyone always says, you know, you have to have hope. But it's okay to acknowledge that it feels helpless, that it feels hopeless. I mean, I feel hopeless a lot. But this destructive force was created by man, and it can be destroyed by us also. And, um, and a lot of this record is, is an attempt to build the will that we would need to disassemble that destructive machine. What you just said is so interesting to me because I, I bet if, if you or if Kevin just said to someone one day at a coffee shop, I, I feel hopeless right now, the, the, the immediate response is going to be, oh, no, no, 
you know, you're you're okay. You can buck up. You can do it. That kind of a thing. Right. Uh, and yeah. in the, and there's certainly a role for that. But if you're stifling your craving to to just live in that moment for a moment, then you're you're missing something. Right. Exactly. Seconds is specifically about um, anthropomorphic climate change and how terrifying that is, and how we are all at risk of becoming climate refugees. So, so, so if you're all talking about this, um, Kevin, you're not necessarily trying to sort of dial up the anxiety in a particular tune or something to <laughs> to go um, along with that. I get to go ahead and just kind of express without having to actually articulate, and so like there there are definitely themes. In the same way that there are themes throughout the record from Sinatra's lyrics, um, and I think because we live together and because we we talk all the time about this stuff, the songs sound certain ways. And I think that the I mean the vibe of Feeling Seconds. I think that was two different songs that sounded really similar, but they were both this just kind of like mechanical, kind of unstoppable juggernaut of a sound. And so the words just Sinatra picked up on that and ran with it. The initial kernels are, are me and my anxiety with talking about this stuff, but not being able to actually express what I'm feeling. What's, well, I guess I do. <laughs> uh, what's the most recent lyric that you wrote? Because Pine in particular seems to speak to this moment so much when you talk, uh, the, the speaker talks about being in exile and it's not romantic to be remote. Perhaps that is dealing more directly with being remote emotionally, but that's also something a lot of us are dealing with in terms of doing our jobs remotely or trying to stay in touch with our friends without actually being with our friends. That's a a really um, interesting and astute note. As a lyricist, I will say that it's kind of amazing how, um, how my lyrics kind of shift and change after they've been written in my own mind. That song was actually written quite a while ago. Uh, My father died in 2016, and he was not present during my upbringing. Um, His, I would say, like, his, the biggest presence from him in my life was his absence growing up. I, I, I didn't know him. He lived very far away. And, and it um, sounds, and you were aware of that. You felt, you felt that absence. Very aware of that. I had, I had major separation anxiety issues. I had, you know, some classic, classic things like that. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm a, I'm 
I'm a healthy, well-adjusted adult. At least I like to think that about myself. Huzzah, huzzah. But one of these amazing gifts that I received upon his death was was that I, when I went to Tucson, Arizona to clean out his place with my with my brother Tazu, we found that he had kept a daily journal since he moved to Tucson, Arizona in 1979, and I was able to um, to to get those those journals and. It was a line in his journal. It's not romantic to be remote, and he was and he was actually pining for us, which, you know, a lot of my perception um, changed uh, after I were was able to get to know him retroactively through those journals, mm. and it allowed me to to see him um, and love him not as uh, an abandoned daughter, but as a uh, as a, just as a person who had his own struggles and his own, his own fears and his own joys and his own longings. And I was actually able to, able to heal quite a bit uh, from those feelings of abandonment after, after he passed um, because I was able to get to know him so well through his journals. He's a really uh, lovely, interesting person. <laughs> so, so that song, Pine, is, is for my father. It's it's possible, isn't it, for um for your relationship with someone to keep evolving after they're gone, even after they die. That is true. And I think, you know, as you have mentioned, you know, how that how that song really echoes what we're going through with, with the coronavirus and all the separation that we are experiencing now, you know, what you've just said reminds me that um in our current dis- discourse regarding um monuments and monuments to people our relationship with them is changing as as America grows, um, as it should. There's an F. Scott Fitzgerald line, um, something like, this is an account not of the history of the city, but of the history of my feelings about the city. Yes. And, I love it. Yeah. The thing itself may stay the same, but the social context changes and its significance and its meaning changes. Right. Definitely. That's Sunyata McDermott of Cave of Swords. And Cut and Paste will be right back after this one little message. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back to Cut and Paste. I am Jeremy Goodwin, and I'm talking with Sunyata and Kevin McDermott of Cave of Swords. And here's another little taste of their music. This is a new song called Scalded. So the band released its first album in 2013, then another one the next year, and a third one in 2015. Then it took five years to come out with a new one. So I asked Sunyata how the band spent that time. I, you know, starting with my father dying, that that like it kind of necessitated some um, interior <laughs> navigation for me. You know, I mean, if we're lucky. You know, we lose our parents, not vice versa. So it's not like 
you know, it's not like nobody's ever gone through this before. But I did have a lot to navigate um, internally. And my father uh, was an alcoholic. And, and if I'm frank, so was I. So I really, I, I, I got, I went pretty deep into the bottle for a little while after he died. And then thankfully, uh, I was able to get sober. And, um, and I am almost three years in now. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) It's been an absolute joy. Uh, being sober is not a bummer. Uh, many alcoholics must think it is, but it's actually really quite lovely. Um, and, and that can kind of change your relationship with bars in the music scene. Um, Oh yes. Um, we had, we also, uh, and and I can get more into that too, but there was an illness in our in our band, um, which I don't particularly want to d- dwell on too much during this conversation. But that that took us out for a little while. But during that time period when we sort of couldn't play out because of that, a lot of my ideas about the um, performative aspects of music started to shift for me, and I started feeling kind of embarrassed about the neediness of performing about the sort of like need to have acceptance and desire from, uh, from strangers. It started to feel like an extension of my unrequited need from my father. And that has been a sort of a stumbling block for me, um, getting back, um, in, in that whole mix. So sort of reestablishing your relationship with performance and with your fans. You've got fans out there who want to come see you. Um, re- re- yeah. re- reinterpreting that from a sober mindset? Is that is that part of what we're talking about? Kind of. But if you think about the majority of, of original music is performed late at night in bars. And the musicians themselves often have to be doing all of the the um, promotion. So you're out, you know, you're out there on social media, which I have at this point pretty much quit altogether. You're out there on social media begging people to come and see you in, you know, in an atmosphere, you know, late at night in a bar. And neither of these are things that I'm particularly excited about anymore. You know, I still love, love performing. I, I wish that there were <laughs> ways that were divorced from this this sort of like neediness, you know, and uh, and late night bar scene. I'm just not into it. It's you know, it's it's not something that I want to do. And <laughs> and it's I mean, I I did hate to be that way. You know, I I spent so much amazing time in bars <laughs> with great people in bars. So so it's not knocking it. But it's now you can't do it What's that, Kevin? And, I said, now you can't anyway, so it's cool. Right. I mean, at oh. this point, you know, where if you know where would we even go? The bars are closed. You know, it's dangerous to have a public life at, at this point <laughs> because there's an infectious disease that is, you know, killing and and hurting people out there. So, Kevin, when so you hear Sonyata, when you hear Sonyata talk about that, is that something that resonates with you or? Or are you still in the same place where you're like, no, I, I would be there every night if I could playing my music? Um, no, well, I'm a big fan of. I, I liked touring. Touring and and being in the studio is my favorite part. But a lot of times the playing 
like local shows, I always wanted them to be more less less us doing like once a month just a random show than trying to do it like once or twice a year and have it be this big production thing. I think I was just I was getting a little burned out um, on just the. I mean, we have a pretty technical show, and I was I can't really sit still. Um, and I, I felt like I was kind of like reaching the edge of what I could do and or set up every night for shows. Um, and so it, it was fine for me to take just to kind of like peel back and think about what I wanted to do and think about different methods of doing it. It was, it, it just started to feel more like a chore and I wanted it to feel fun. And so I, I was happy with us pulling back. So what, what's a cave of sword show like? I mean, I've got laptop backing tracks, um, video stuff going on. I'm playing guitars and keys and different MIDI controllers and trying to basically mix everything from the stage. Like we, so just the, the visuals, trying to keep the visuals on track and adjusting them even slightly instead of, cause at first we used to just have things that played back over the show. And, um, as the years went by, I started making it so that I could control parts of what the videos were doing from my MIDI controllers, which were also controlling the music at the same time. So if you heard something in the song, it would be changing something in the video that was projecting on top of us. And um, I think I just, I, I kind of like hit a wall with everything and was, was kind of not relieved, but, but I was okay with us pulling back and kind of just like retooling and just taking some time. You know, we, we've had the opportunity to play some museum shows and that feels like a, you know, it's an example of an environment that feels more special and, uh, and it feels more like an event. And there's this sort of beautiful, you know, space for, for the projected uh, video that Kevin makes um, and, a, and sort of a place for, for the music that just feels, it feels more, it just feels it feels great to be, you know, in, in, in situations that are different and not that, not that, you know, our music should be only enjoyed in a museum, but, but that, you know, there are a lot of places to be besides the bar. Obviously music is, is great in a bar. It's just, there are other places. Kevin, what's, what's something on the record that you're just really happy with what it sounds like? <laughs> there's, there's a drum programming uh, it's a break in and vassals that goes from like the chorus back into the verses and it pro no one will probably ever notice this but it's like one of my favorite things that i've ever done and it's literally just a weird thing that the that i programmed with the uh hi-hats and and um snares like to also point out a really inventive cool thing that Kevin did with beats on Freefall um, and that is um, that he put in uh, Morse code SOS 
uh, oh speak. is that throughout secret. the song not supposed to, it, yeah oh we just let but a secret I mean, out yeah. Was I well, not there's, supposed there's, to say that? No, it's, that? it's fine. No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> I was kidding. There's other Morse code in the in the record, too, and other, like, weird backmasking. Like, I basically had too much time with this record. Every time I was supposed to just be sitting here waiting for it to be mastered, I would open up files and put little weird things that probably no one will ever hear in the song. Paul is dead? <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> now I'm going to want to learn to learn Morse code and, and sit down with this record for a weekend and get the secret messages yeah in free fall i think the first thing you hear uh the hi-hats is the sos that's kevin mcdermott you heard from him and Sonata McDermott of Cave of Swords. The band also includes Eric Armbruster. We heard a few songs from their new album, Good Music to Feel Bad To. Uh, I looked up that F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, by the way, and I was close. It goes, this is not an account of the city's changes, but of the changes in this writer's feeling for the city. And it comes from his essay about New York called My Lost City. Anyway, that about does it for Cut and Paste which is St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. It is produced with help from our executive editor, Shula Newman. Our intro and outro music is by Eric Hall. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts.